0: And the share is also, of course, it's available on podcast. We put it on the uh, Shul WhatsApp chat every week. Everybody's welcome to, to hear it there as well. You know, we... Uh, we read in last week's parsha that in a place called Mara, a few mitzvahs, this was before Matan and and one of the mitzvahs was Shabbos. And the Pesach is very interesting, lush, and it says... Look, Hashem, see that Hashem gave you Shabbos, and the Gemara in uh excuse me, in Shabbos, Darshins, from these words that we learn from here that if someone gives his friend a gift, he has to let him know. If I go to your house, and I bring you, a, let's say, a package, a beautiful package of, uh, let's say, a brand new set of svarim, or... Uh, or a brand new um, uh, I don't know, think of something I give you a brand, a brand new uh, phone you know I mean or 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 something else <coughs> a brand new coat something I I, I, I leave the, the a beautiful, beautifully wrapped package in front of your house but I don't tell you about it. I don't tell you who it's from. I don't tell you it's from me, so you're going to see me in the street. you're not going to know to thank me, you're not going to know that I gave it to you. So it takes away from the gift. So you know, someone gave you a gift and you'll be left guessing who it is. Says Akadish Baruch to Meshach Abaynu, I have a very good gift that's in my treasure houses. And I want to give it to Klal Yisrael. Go tell them. And that's what Meshach Rabbeinu is doing to Klal Yisrael, telling them about this gift that Akadish Baruch is giving them, which is Shabbos. Imagine a person is given a gift of a brand new car. And you ask him, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, um, he has the car for about a week or so. And you ask him, no, are you enjoying the new car? He says, yes, absolutely. I love the smell of the leather seats. And I love the way the, um, the players, the music players work so nicely in sync and the music sounds so real. And uh, the skylight that opens up, it's amazing. And then you said to him, well, one second, don't forget. Uh, what about the drive? How's the drive of the car? He says, oh, you're supposed to drive the car? <laughs> so we can have the greatest gift and we can know that we have the gift. But if we don't know how to use that gift, so then... We might be missing out on the main part of it and, and there's probably very few places That you can say this idea Like the gift of Shabbos If you think about it, we spend More than one-seventh of our life in Shabbos Shabbos itself is 25 hours And if you take into account That Friday is usually busy preparing And once a Shabbos, you're busy you know, uh, Taking care of the leftovers and cleaning up <coughs> It's more than a seventh of our life that we're using Shabbos, that we're, we're, we're spending on Shabbos. And yet, we might not understand what Shabbos is all about, and we might not know how to do Shabbos, what are we supposed to do on Shabbos. And so in order to appreciate the gift that Kaddish Baruch Hu gives us, and as it's mentioned in this week's portion, in the Aser of Zachar is HaShabbos we want to appreciate Shabbos. We want to utilize it. Then we have to understand what is Shabbos all about. What are we supposed to get out of Shabbos? What are we supposed to do on Shabbos? And and what's it all about? What's it What's it What's it there to do to us? You you think about it. The isur the isurim of Shabbos. If somebody Khalilah, commits one of the Lamatis malachas, so the punishment for that if it's done Mazid. Actually, well, nowadays, of course, that would be the, the punishment, but, but if the times are the base on English, so it would be skila, which is the, the most severe form of misa. The Abba misa, skila is the most severe. Now, you ask a person, let's say a person has uh, he has some milk, and there's a little bit of, let's say, some foam or some cream on top of the milk. He wants to take off the cream, he wants to skim it off, and he does it on Shabbos. He's chay of skila. What's the big deal? What did I do already that the, I'm getting such a severe punishment? And not only that, but we know that a yid is determined to determine if someone's Ehrlich, or if he's observant. We don't say okay, he keeps kosher. We don't say he um, he davens. We put on tefillah. No, we say no. He's a shemer shabbos. That's what defines a yid, and it's it's so severe that someone who's machal mechal shabbos. But so he loses, to certain degrees, he loses his status of a Yid. Yeah. For example, he touches wine, it's like, it's, like the, it's like the same thing like a guy touches it. You're not allowed to drink from it. So, we see the severity that Kaddish Baruch that the put on Shabbos and gave it such a stringency, and we have to understand what's it all about. So, uh, most of what I'm going to say is from the uh, Sefer from Mav Pinkus on Shabbos. Nefesh Shimshon on Shabbos, a beautiful sefer, highly recommended to read. But we have to start off with another question. Uh, Somebody asked Rabbi Miller, Rabbi Miller is is well known that at the end of each year he would give time to ask questions about anything in the world, related to the Shir or not related to the Shir on any topic. Yeah, and he usually had the answers. And someone asked him, Rabbi, can you prove to me that there's a God? And without batting an eyelid, Barry Miller said, absolutely. He says, let me tell you what, something that happened. I was once in the country, it was the summertime, and outside the bungalow that I was staying in, there was a cherry tree. <clears throat> and the entire night, I heard tip, tap, tip, tap, the cherries were falling down from the tree. And he said, he, he asked himself, He was thinking about it. He was a big big observer, observer of nature. Why are the cherries falling down from the tree now in the summer? Why didn't they fall down, let's say, in the spring or in the winter? Well, the winter, there were no cherries. Why didn't they fall down in the spring? And the answer is that there's a certain mechanism that's built into the tree that as long as the fruits aren't ripened and they're not yet ready to eat, then they stay connected to the branches. The minute the fruit is ripe, so there's a certain... Um, there's a certain cell that's developed in the, in the fruit or in the tree that loosens the grip of the tree, of the branches to the fruit, and, the, and it starts falling down. Why? And why is that? Because the tree knows that it's high up and people, most people can't fly like a bird. And since the function of the tree, of the fruit is for, mostly it's for the human beings, not for animals, so then once the tree is ready, once the fruit are ready to be, to be uh, eaten, the tree drops everything. Now how did this happen? Take another phenomenon in the tree. You can have an orange tree, an apple tree, and a grapevine, and a banana tree, till the fruits are ripened, they're always gonna be the same color. What's the color? Green. They're always gonna be green. Why? Why is everything green? And then what happens is, once it's ripe, so then it starts changing colors, and the apples become red or, or, or yellow, sometimes green as well, a different shade of green, and the orange turns orange, The grapes can become red or a little shade or a different shade of green, a a more appealing shade of green. Beautiful colors that are uh, uh, a sight for the eye, a beautiful sight for the eye to see. You walk into uh, into the supermarket, you walk into pomegranate, and you you walk down that aisle with the fruit. It's like it it makes you feel good just looking at the beautiful display of colors that was that was put into nature. So why why is it that as long as the fruit's not ripe, it's all green? Says Rabbi Miller because. Green is the same color as the leaf. So, so to speak, the fruit are, so to speak, hiding. They're hiding from us. They're saying to us, don't look at us now, because now we, we just want to blend into the tree. We don't, want you to, we don't want you to pay attention to us, because now we're not yet ready to eat. You're going to bite into an unripened fruit. It's not going to taste good, and it's, not, it's going to make you feel sick. So don't look at it. And that's why it's this, this unappealing color that looks just like the leaves of the tree, so to speak. The tree is saying, don't pay any attention to me. Once I'm ready to be eaten, now I'm going to be a nice appealing color, and you can look at me and take me, take me off the tree and eat it. How did that happen? And then finally, if you take a bite into an apple, says Rabbi Miller, apple is very crunchy and delicious, but if you get to the core of the apple, then you can't really bite it. There it's hard. It's very difficult to bite. And the reason for that is because there inside the core of the apple is where the seeds of the apple lay. And these seeds aren't supposed to be eaten, because if they're eaten, then how are we going to get new apple trees? So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made the apple in such a way that you can eat the apple itself, the fruit itself, but the part that you don't need, the part that's needed for the continuation of the species of the apple, that stays in a way that we can't really have it. And the same is true for other other, other fruits as well. A peach, for example and even watermelon seeds that are in, inside the fruit itself, but they have this slippery coating to it. So that automatically, when you bite into it, there's <coughs> a very good chance it's going uh, it's it's um, to fall out of your mouth. It's going to slip out of your mouth and fall into the ground. All for the purpose that it should grow and continue the production of these fruit <coughs> for the future. So says Rabbi Miller, that is the proof that there's a Hashem. And that's the biggest proof in the world. And that's the proof that nobody could dispute. That all this happened, this amazing thing, that punct when it's ready to be eaten by people, it falls off the tree. And punct when it's, when, and when it's not ready to be eaten, it's a color that's not appealing. And when and the, uh, the, 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 the seeds are always designed in a way that you should not eat them. And he says, he mentions that in the seed, you take one seed of, a, of an apple, there's 100,000 details in that seed. There's a whole entire DNA chain in there that has in that seed, is programmed how to make another tree, how to produce a leaf, how to produce the leaves, the bark and the apples, all in this tiny seed. The DNA. 100,000 details. So Cesar by Miller, that is proof that there's a God. Very nice. 100,000, 100,000, hundred billions. 100,000,000,000. Maybe. It's limited. <laughs> it's possible too, yeah. So... That's what Rabbi Miller says. So we have to ask ourselves a question. If it's so obvious that there's a God, that there's a Qurish Baruch Hu, and He is running the world, then how is it that we don't feel it? A person doesn't walk in the street, and unless he puts a lot of effort, he doesn't see a Qurish Baruch Hu in everything that's happening. He doesn't look at the sky and say, obviously Hashem created He doesn't look at the moon. He doesn't look at the stars. He doesn't look at the human body. It's not something that comes to us automatically. Why? It's so obvious. So why don't we feel it? And why is it possible for a person... To forget that there's a Kaddish Baruch a person Could do an or Chalila And how is it possible That there's so many Millions of people Hundreds of millions of people Around the world billions of people who, who, are, who, who live their life Without even recognizing That there's a Kaddish Baruch Hu. How is it possible So says of Pincus That the world was created In a way That a person Is going to see certain things But he's not going to be He's not going to see what he's, he's going to see it but he's not going to see it. The puzzle says unto him Tosh chayshek vhi Layla. Lila. Baruch Hu made and it became night. Says the Gemara in ze laila. This world is like Lila. So in other words, Kadosh Baruch Hu created the world, and He covered it with a certain darkness that even if we see things, we're not able to penetrate and to feel and to understand what it is that we're seeing. So we see all these miracles happening around us. Get used to it born as a baby, you see everything. You don't. If you would, if you wouldn't see anything, it, one day you wake up. <clears throat> if you would be born as an adult, you'd be fascinated. You would be unbe- you know, <coughs> because you're born as a baby, you get used to seeing it. You so you're like, not despoiling it. Okay. Yeah. That's... unless you unless you unless you think into it, you're not gonna. Uh, right. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's... Yeah. <clears throat> and and the reason for that, like David said, is because that's how person is gonna have bechira to do good or bad. If everything would be obvious and we would feel it automatically, then nobody would do anything wrong. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted uh, the, to give the person the ability to choose. And so he, 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 put, he put out this darkness. But there's one day, one day a week, that there's no darkness. Or there is darkness, but it's, it's very easy to penetrate through that darkness. And that is Shabbos. Where with a little bit of work and a little bit of time, we can see HaKadosh Baruch Hu and feel Him. And the way Kaddish Hu created Shabbos is that there's nothing that we have to do. If it's a Yom Tov, if it's a Shavuos or a Sukkot, or a Pesach, we have to do stuff to earn the Kedusha of the Yom Tov. And as Chazal tells us, that Klaus or the, 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 the Basin has the Kayach to decide when it's going to be Yom Tov. And that's when it's going to be. So it comes from us. Shabbos is not like that. Shabbos is 100% a gift from a Baruch Hu. There's nothing really that we have to do. All we have to do is allow Shabbos. <laughs> to be observed by us. Allow ourselves to understand Shabbos. The Apostle tells us in the Parsha, like we mentioned. Just remember that it's Shabbos. It's Hashem's day, and, we're, and what we're supposed to do is try not to interfere. Not to take away from this special day. But, but what does that mean? What is, what is Shabbos? And, and how do we get the kedusha of Shabbos? So we mentioned that there's a, there's, a, there, there was da- there's a darkness in the world. There was a place in the world though that there was never any darkness. And that's a place that you walked into and right away you felt the Shekhinah and you felt the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Where was that? That was the Beis HaMikdash. A person walks into a house and he sees the light is on. And he sees there's food in the oven. He knows that someone lives in this house. When a person walked into the Beis HaMikdash so the, the Menorah it was constantly lit. It was lit around the clock. And the lechem upon him, Chazal tell us, it was fresh the entire week. Because it was the house that someone lived in, who lived in that house, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it was obvious to anybody who walked in there, that this is the house of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Shabbos is in a similar way like the Beis HaMikdash. Just like the Beis HaMikdash is the house of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in space. So Shabbos is the house of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in time. And even though we unfortunately don't have the Beis HaMikdash now, but we still have this gift of Shabbos that comes around every single week. And it's like we're in the Beis HaMikdash. And Yafinkos beautifully explains many, many details and similarities between these two types of Beis HaMikdash, Shabbos and the Beis HaMikdash itself. If you take a look in the, in the halachas of the Beis HaMikdash, it's very, very strict halachas regarding who's allowed to do what and how it's allowed to be done. Let's say someone wants to bring a carbon. He has to bring a carbon. So he goes to the base and he brings a carbon. And he decides, you know, he gets so elevated, he's not a koyan. He decides, I don't care. I want to be the one who's going to throw the blood on the Mizbeach. Says the Pasuk, the hazar hakarev yumas. A person who's a czar, who's not a koyan, he gets killed. Not only that, a koyan. The halacha is that anytime a kohen goes into the of Samigdash to do he has to wash his hands and feet from the kiar. And if he doesn't do it, again, Chayiv Misa. Koyhanim have to wear special big day kihuna. And the halacha is that if they go in with their own clothing, same thing. And not only that, but the clothing has to be special, they have to be tailored fit. So if the, if the clothings are too long, too short, so the Chayiv Misa Bidei in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, we know that if the Kohen Godel walks into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and he's not 100% pure, he has even one small thought that's not 100% pure, he dies on the spot, and that's why the one time a year that the Kohen Godel went to the Kodesh HaKadoshim on Yom Kippur, he went in with a, with, a, uh, with a rope tied around his waist, because there was a possibility that he would die and they would have to schlep him out, nobody could go in there. And the understanding is, why is it so severe? Because, let's take a muscle. There's a person who's sick. He needs operations. He needs surgery, Khalilah. So if it's surgery on the foot, <coughs> so of course you want to have a good doctor and you want the doctor to do the, to do the right job. But let's say, Khalilah, the doctor does the incision. Let's say he does it a few inches too, too far. Or he, uh, he um, you know, when, when he's, when he's uh, uh, moving around in the foot, so he, uh, he pushes away a vein that really he wasn't supposed to touch. So what's going to happen? The worst thing that's going to happen? Okay, so there might be some damage that's there. Something might cause the person a little bit of pain when he walks. Something that's going to be there maybe. But the person is going to be 100% fine. Besides for this little ailment on his foot. But if someone has surgery in his heart or someone has surgery in the brain and the doctor cuts one extra inch, that's life and death. It's no small thing anymore. The Beis HaMikdash is the heart of Klai Yisrael. It's the heart not only of Klai Yisrael, it's the heart of the world. Chazal say the Shloi Me'amelech, he planted in Yerushalayim every single tree that existed in the entire world. Now how is that possible? We know that different trees need different climates. So if a tree grows in Africa, it's not going to grow here in New York. And if a tree grows in Australia, it's not going to grow in South America. Each place has its own climate, its own special conditions. And the answer is... That Yerushalayim is the center of the world and it's the heart of the world. Hamalech was the Adam. He knew exactly which tree connects to which place in Yerushalayim and it gets its chiyas from there. So he says, okay, this place over here in Yerushalayim, this is where you plant this type of tree. Because the tree on the other side of the world it actually gets its chias from here. So I can take that tree and plant it in this place because this is really where it's coming from. And all the trees of the world, they have their place in Yerushalayim. The Beis HaMikdash and Yerushalayim is the heart of the world. And it gets its Chios, the whole world gets its Chios from there. And so too Shabbos. Shabbos is the heart of the week. And as Chazal tells us, as the Zohar says, Barichos, many places, the six days of the week, they get their survival, they get their existence all from Shabbos. So when we enter Shabbos, we're entering the Beis HaMikdash Beis HaMikdash was Hashem's house. And we say by Shabbos, cover us with your sukkah, with your tent, with your dwelling, because now we're entering into HaKadosh Baruch house. And we see by the Beis HaMikdash, we know <coughs> it says, when Yankah had his dream, the Beis HaMikdash was a place where they, they engaged in, in activities, which were um, physical activities, they would shecht, they would throw the blood, they would light the menorah, the Keteris. But it's Reishemagiyah Shemaimah. Through the Avodah down there, they were connecting shemaim and Arez. And so too on Shabbos. Shabbos connects this world with the next world. And therefore, that's why Shabbos is so important in the life of a Yid. Because this is what connects us to a Baruch Hu. We're in Hashem's house and we're surrounded by the Shekhinah and so any small thing, just like in the Beis HaMikdash, small things that are done are big because, like we said, it's the artery, it's the heart. Shabbos also is the heart. It's the heart of Eilam Hazeh; it's the heart of the weak. And so even a small minor infraction is very big. And we see many similarities between the Beis HaMikdash and Shabbos. It says that, we say, we say, we'll be saying by the Haggadah, by Dayenu, the Alano is based on the al kol avaynus. gave us the base migdash Why? As a kapara for our avaynus. Shabbos too is also. It's a time of kapara, like the famous Medrash says. When the Malachim come to the house, and they see that the lights are the table set and the lights are lit, they give the person a brocha, and they say to him There's no Averis on Shabbos. It's a day of kapara. It's a day of tshuva. We mentioned before Big Day Kehuna. Shabbos also. There's a that we have to wear special clothing, just like the kohanim put on special clothing when they do, when they go into the Beis Migdash. We too are kohanim when we go into Shabbos. The Beis Hamikdash had the menorah; the candles were lit. Shabbos too, we light the candles. <coughs> and it's interesting that there are different uh, details involved with the lighting of the menorah. It's not just lighting the; the it's not just turning on the light, but there's something called the tavas where you clean out the wax and the wicks, and the oil that was there, and you prepare it so they could, they could uh, relight it. And we know that on Shabbos as well, there's an Indian uh, for, the, for the man of the house to actually prepare the lights, because that's his, his job. And, the, and, then the, and then the lady, she's the one who lights the candles. But this idea that we all have a part in Hathobos Aniris, just like the, all the kayhanim were involved with the process of preparing the menorah. We mentioned that the Kahanim wash their hands and feet. And before Shabbos, there's a the mitzvah of rechitza. Many people go to the mikvah, which is a beginning. But even if you don't, taking a shower, it's all connected. The smears that we sing by the Shabbos table, that's like the z'mirus of the Levim, the shear of the Levim, and the base mikdash. And just like when a person eats a carbon, if it's a carbon that's allowed to be eaten by the Baalim or by the qihanim, so the alocha is you cannot take it outside of the confines either of the Besamigdash, or the, definitely not of the confines of Yerushalayim, depending on what type of carbon it is. Because it's not your own food, even though you have the permission to eat it. It's HaKadosh Baruch food. He's allowing you to partake from His food. Shabbos is the same exact thing. It's Hashem's food. And as Chazal tells us, The, the, the money that we, pay, that we spend on Shabbos, that's not included. Because it's, imagine, you know, you... you um, you work for Microsoft, and one day you're approached by the owner, the, 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 uh, the boss, Bill Gates. And he says, here, I want you to go and, and uh, you know, prepare for me. Uh, we're going to have a party, a holiday party. Here's my credit card. So if you have Bill Gates' credit card, you're not limited in what you're going to buy. You could buy whatever you want, because his money is unlimited. On Shaba, so to speak, we have a Kaddish credit card. Hashem says, this is not your day, it's my day. And you're not spending your money It's my money Buy whatever you want There's no limit There's a, a sefer About uh, Rebruvin Feinstein A, a sefer of his Chidushim on the Torah And it was written by a Talmud of his And he said That He had gone one Friday With Rebruvin Shopping for Shabbos And even though During the week Rebruvin was not the type at all To indulge Or to spend money On, 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 on uh, extras But his Friday shopping, he said, it's like totally, totally unlimited, without any khashben, without any, um, any concern. He would buy this, he would buy this type, of, this type of nash and these type of fruits. He wouldn't even look at the price. And he had gone with him, this was in the country. And he said, he, they, they left the store, they left the place with a wagon full of mamish delicacies, and everything, anything possibly good that was kosher that he could think of, it was in the wagon. Because that's how God will view Shabbos. It's not my money, it's a Baruch Hu's money. HaKadosh Baruch Hu really doesn't have uh, any, uh, any limits on his bank account. So why shouldn't I spend it? And finally, we know, as we mentioned, the Beis Megdash had Ketiris. They had a beautiful smell. Shabbos also has a beautiful smell. And of course, there's the smell of the food. But there's a deeper meaning to it. Uh, There's a beautiful story. Simcha Wasserman was the the son of Rebulchanan Wasserman. He was a Rav in Los Angeles. And he was the one who, this was before Los Angeles was a a place like today, he was really a pioneer. He came to Los Angeles probably in the early 60s or even before. It was a a desert in terms of Yiddishkeit. And he uh, revitalized the place and he created the infrastructure, the yeshivas and shuls. And many, many, many families who weren't observant they became close to him, and they became bali chuba through him. And one such family who were from for for a number of years already, they were making a bar mitzvah for their son, and they were doing it in a hotel in downtown Los Angeles. And they invited Reb Simcha to come for Shabbos. He says, "I I can't make it for Shabbos, but I do want to hear like what your plan is." So they said, "You know, we're going to have a meal on Shabbos with family, and then once Shabbos is going to be a whole a, a big suda for, uh, you know, all our friends in the community. So he says to them, did you order cholent serve on Shabbos? So they said, no. They didn't want to bother with anything hot because, you know, it's a whole thing and, and you need a mashkiach and you need a fire and they didn't want to bother with the service." Because he said, listen to me, I'm asking you, make sure that you have cholent at the bar mitzvah. Okay, the rov asked, so of course they do it. Now this family, as we said, were bali tshuva, so they had relatives who weren't from Some who plan on coming on Shabbos itself. And one such couple showed up Shabbos morning. They walk into the lobby of the hotel. And the lady turns to her husband and she says, I can't stay here, i got to run out. She runs out. And after Shabbos, she tells the uh, Bali Simcha what happened. She was a little girl. When she was taken, when the Nazis uh, came to, to her town. And they took her parents. And they took her entire family. She survived the war. She didn't remain from, even though her family was from. She said, for the first time in over 30 years, I smelled the smell of Cholent. And it brought back all the memories of her childhood. She remembered her father's house. She remembered Shabbos. She remembered what it looked like. She remembered what it smelled like. The smell of the Cholent. And to make a long story short, short, that lady became from, and she raised a beautiful family of El Hayiden, all because of the smell of Cholent. Because the smell is not, it's really it's not the smell of the food, it's the smell of Shabbos. The special smell of Shabbos, which similar to the base HaMikdash, has a special spiritual koyach. And so our job on Shabbos is not to do anything, just to remember, we're in Hashem's house, <coughs> we're at Hashem's table, and we're in Hashem's company. And so a person, when he has that in, in mind, so he realizes that, you know, there's certain things that you're just not going to do. There's certain ways you're not going to behave when you're in Hashem's company. It just comes together with that, and if we're able to do that, then we get to appreciate the beauty of Shabbos. And I'm just going to conclude with a beautiful verse, also from pinkus You know, we say by Shalom Aleichem, Tzeischem Lashalom. Why? Why do we? Why do we want to say? Why do we send the Malachim out? Chavetz Chaim says, well, it means that you're saying goodbye to the Malachim from the week, and we're reading the Malachim of Shabbos. But he says a different pshat. It says in the we mentioned before the kohen goes into the kodesh hakodesh on Yom Kippur. Pesuk says in Parsha Shmini, no one's allowed in there except the kohen gadol. Say says Chazal, Chal is merabe those who look like an Adam. pnei Adam. Who is that? The <coughs> who look, they have the, the image of a person. They're also not allowed to be in the in the in the kodesh It's such a a place such a hela good time, even the malachim are not allowed. Only a Baruch Hu and the Kain Gadol says of Pincus, when it comes Shabbos, and a person's ready to make Kiddush, and he's going to testify to the whole world, Vayichul HaShemayim that Baruch Hu created the world in, seven, in six days, and the seventh day he rested. It's such a special moment, a unique moment of a Baruch Hu and Klai Yisrael, that even the malachim can't be there. And so we say to the malachim, You leave! Now is our special time with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the more we understand it, and we appreciate this gift that we have, the more bracha we'll be able to get from Shabbos each and every week.